good evening, good morning, top of the morning to ye, good day. I hope everyone's having a great day. I know I am. I'm tired because I am working 72 hours a week right now and it's killing me, but I'm almost done. We're almost done. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Today we're sharing an interview with Liana LeBerg. Liana is this incredible person I met and we chatted all about PCOS and I was like, Liana, what the heck is PCOS? And she's like, Heather, and let me tell you all about polycystic ovary syndrome. And I was like, what? And it was super enlightening. It was a really educational uh, discussion. I had a lot of fun getting to learn about it. And yeah, it's just crazy that I, you know, the education isn't there. You know, like, why, why am I learning this now? I'm in my late 20s. Okay. But please enjoy <laughs> this interview with Liana. What the heck is PCOS? What is that? <laughs> Inform me. Good. Let's get into it. Um, so for those who don't know, PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, basically what it is, is a hormonal disorder um, where you develop cysts on your ovaries um, and it causes... A hormonal balance basically throughout your entire body um, and those kind of imbalances can present themselves in physical ways and less physical ways so on the more physical side it would be um, excess body hair that can be on your or your face as well um, weight gain losing hair on your head basically all those like typically not feminine <laughs> qualities that someone might um, considered to be not feminine. And then on the more invisible side, it's kind of mental health issues of depression and anxiety and um, also inconsistent periods um, are as a result of the, the ovarian cysts as well. So fun stuff. <laughs> when were you diagnosed with this? I was diagnosed about five years ago, but um, been dealing with it more than half my life since I started puberty. <laughs> so official diagnosis recently, but it's been a lifelong thing pretty much. When I got my period for the first time, I was about, I think I was 10 years old and I never really had a, a real cycle. My period was extremely sporadic. It would happen every few months, maybe sometimes a couple months in a row, sometimes for a few days. A couple months just, in a row? Or sometimes like a couple months in a row and then like not have it for six months or whatever. So it was very sporadic. And so when that happened, I was like, okay, there's something wrong here. <laughs> this is not normal. And I was, you know, growing up in, in high school, I became very hairy. <laughs> um, and so that excess body hair started to happen. And that was extremely hard for me, just kind of in a social situation, not being able to just, you know, go to the beach with your friends without being obsessed over everyone seeing my body hair. And, and that's where kind of that started. Um, and then when I was diagnosed about five years ago, I finally was like, okay, this all makes sense. <laughs> finally, there's like an actual name for these things that I've been struggling with for my in my whole life. And um, it was comforting, but at the same time, 
it was the realization that it became real. It wasn't just these weird symptoms that were just happening. And I'm like, okay. So it became real and understanding what my life was kind of going to look like later on down the road of, you know, when I wanted to start a family, whenever that happens, infertility is going to be a huge concern. I'm not saying that PCOS folks can't get pregnant, but it is typically a lot more difficult. Um, as well as kind of learning to deal with those, you know, the excess body hair. I've struggled a lot with weight. Um, again, not as much as some other people who struggle with PCOS, um, but I do have some uh, concerns about, you know, my weight has definitely fluctuated a lot in my adult life um, because of that. Um, and so it's just kind of generally coming to terms with the fact that this is me and that's okay. This is, I'm, I don't have control on what's going on in my body and I have to be okay with that. And everyone else just has to be okay with it because it's not my fault. <laughs> is the treatment just managing symptoms? Yeah. So there's no cure for PCOS. It's um, really just kind of managing your symptoms. Um, a couple things that have kind of helped me. Um, this is a very recent, both of these are extremely recent. So my PCOS journey is still like far from over. Um, back in March, one of my kind of quarantine adventures was trying a vegetarian diet. And that has helped me tremendously in kind of like balancing, keeping my hormones in balance, eating less animal products. Um, and I actually, this is like small wins. I've actually had a normal period for the last four months of my life since Yay! eating vegetarian. So is that something you saw someone recommended? I, that's crazy to me that that helped your period. That's great. Yeah. Well, okay. So that choice was kind of made not related to PCOS at all. Um, mm -hmm. That was just kind of an ethical and environmental choice, but it was like, oh, side effects may be having a period. Cool. <laughs> um, but um, I've definitely heard some stories of women going like plant-based. I haven't gone hundred percent plant-based, but um, who have, you know, consuming less animal products and the hormones that might come with that have, have helped you to balance your own hormones. So I think it, it's been successful for a decent amount of people. That's pretty crazy. And yeah. I mean, that in a cool way, like, I love that. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about being in high school. You talked about being self-conscious, going to the beach. Mm-hmm. What did that look like to you? Were, were you ever teased or was it just a self-conscious thing? Uh, yes, to both. Um, I definitely had, you know, friends who would innocently point things out being like, oh, you have like super hairy, you know, legs or whatever, or I have hair like on my stomach and, um, you know, a, a lot of hair around my like bikini zone that definitely made me not want to go to the beach unless I had like been to the waxing salon like the day before like I genuinely felt like it would be the worst thing in the world if someone saw my hair and knew that that was like that saw that it was not normal um and so 
that's again one of the reasons why I decided to do lasers because I was tired of like letting my hair dictate what I did or what I wore on any given day. And so, yeah, being teased, like I said, not necessarily with bad intention, but just kind of like pointing it out like, oh, like what's on your face? Like, and I'm like, actually it's just my beard, but <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so yeah, not necessarily bad intentioned. Mm -hmm. You said anxiety and depression is also a symptom of the condition. Do you also think anxiety just manifested from being self-conscious? Definitely. Um, I mean, I think that anxiety can happen for a multitude of different triggers, just, you know, being in an uncomfortable situation. And that would be one of those, definitely. Um, I have suffered with anxiety since the end of high school, pretty much. Um, so I would say that it came on a little bit later than maybe some other people having this issue, but, um, yeah, it, that's a whole other <laughs> story in itself. Um, let's, let's talk about that. I also yeah. have anxiety. So, yeah, I think a lot of, a lot of people, um, do, and it's so hard to kind of put into words what that feels like to somebody who doesn't know, has never experienced a panic attack or, or something like that. Um, yeah, I definitely, I think, have learned to, to kind of manage it on a day-to-day -day basis, but there are some times that it just manifests itself and, you know, there's not really, you never, anxiety doesn't go away. You just kind of learn to deal with it as, as you probably have experienced. <laughs> the biggest disappointment in my life, realizing yeah. that therapy wasn't just like you go five times and then you're done. Yep. I'm fixed. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how does your, how, what is your man of, uh, what does your anxiety manifest as? Yeah. Um, so for me at this point in my life, it's really flying. That is where it is the biggest. I might have a small, like, anxiety attack on a random given day where I'm just like really tired or something but pretty consistently every time I fly <laughs> I will have like <laughs> an episode of some kind and I've also been working through kind of dealing with that with both therapy and medication so that's helped a lot mm -hmm. um I've recently yeah. started to my anxiety manifests as a little voice in my head that tells me everybody hates me mm, love and, that <laughs> yes and just convinces me of my worthlessness mm. and that's a fun it's been a fun thing to I say fun you know delightfully <laughs> yeah, yeah. fun so fun <laughs> to like relearn that that voice is actually not the truth that voice is actually just my little friend anxiety she's kind of yeah. a bitch she's there yeah. but we don't have to listen to her. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely have those, those moments as well, where it usually happens where I've like tried on five outfits and I'm like, well, I'm ugly. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to look at good in anything. And that voice is speaking to me. Um, but, mm -hmm. but mostly when I 
I'm having like a panic attack on a plane. It's, it's more of like, hi, you're going to die today. Like, <laughs> and that's so real. Obviously I'm going to be fine. But like in that moment, it's like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, this is my last day. <laughs> Does that usually happen on the plane or before, during? Um, it, it's definitely now becoming a more of like a on the plane thing versus like it used to be an on the way to the airport and the whole way through the trip thing. So I've definitely have improved in that, I think. <laughs> That's yeah. good. And you said you're doing both therapy and you're on medication? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not daily medication, but for flying specifically. And it's working really well for me. Yeah. Nice. Good. Glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. How have you been able to, the process of accepting that this is a part of you and accepting that the body image stuff. Yeah. I just want to hear more about that and yeah. what that's been like for you. Definitely. Um, so like I said, like the vegetarian diet has helped me kind of maintain my my hormonal imbalances, which has kept me in a consistent weight. But, you know, losing weight or whatever isn't going to be like the solution to feeling better with PCOS. Like you just losing weight isn't going to make you feel better. Like those, those symptoms are still there of you know, the anxiety and the, the hair growth and stuff. And so it's kind of a, a a realization that like, this is not your fault. This is just who you are. And if someone's not accepting of that, or if they're not, if they're going to like point it out and, you know, make you feel like less than about it, then they're not really the best person to have around you in your life. And I've definitely had um, people in my life who have, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say past boyfriends who have pointed this out and, and I'm like, okay, well, if you can't accept me for that, this is part of me, then why would I keep you around? Mm. And, and it's, it's a harsh, it's a, it sounds harsh, but it's the truth because this is something that you it's not your fault and you can't change it. So why should somebody blame you or make you feel bad for it? Um, and I'm lucky now that I do have a, a partner who's very accepting and totally, you know, understanding that this is just who I am and he loves me for that. And I think it's important to find those people and surround yourself with them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What were those conversations like with past boyfriends? Just pointing things out and saying, ew, or? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had people say like, ooh, you're uh, kind of prickly around there. Are you okay? Like, <laughs> yeah, definitely pointing it out and being like, hmm, you're kind of hairy. <laughs> That's How, so like, frustrating. Who said that? <laughs> That's so frustrating. <laughs> yep. Is interesting when, I don't know, I don't know how or why, I think it's just like part of the patriarchy, but why 
men feel like they get to have comment on our bodies at all. Right. I totally agree. Like, (laughs) like, let's just like, if you're going to choose to be like intimate with somebody, you know, if you aren't willing to like, accept what you've chosen to, to be intimate with, then why, why need to like comment on it and make us feel worse. Like a person who's having these symptoms, like they already know that their body is doing some abnormal things. You don't need to point it out. (laughs) Like we're Mm -hmm. fully aware of it. (laughs) Is the partner you're with right now, the first partner you've had that's been fully uh, loving and supportive in that way? I think not necessarily the only one, but definitely the most understanding. Um, yeah, I'm extremely lucky. And if anyone is out there, any person is thinking out there like, oh, like someone, you know, never going to accept me for, you know, if you're, I keep going back to like the hair situation because that's like the most self-conscious thing for me. Um, But if if there are plenty of girls out there who have like a full beard and they are married and happy and like rocking their PCOS life. (laughs) And like, that's definitely a possibility for someone. You just need to find the right person who's going to accept you. Yeah. If you had to say one thing to someone who just got this diagnosis and is just starting out with this information, what would you say to them? I would say that there is hope. There is so much support out there, whether it be, you know, blogs, Instagram accounts, um, fellow people with PCOS. And the reason I say people, by the way, is because I don't want to exclude like trans folks from this conversation, because even if you don't identify as a woman, like if you have ovaries in your body, you can still have PCOS. And so I I definitely want to include them in this conversation as well. Um, But there are so many places to find support online. um, If you don't have someone in your own life that shares in this kind of struggle. And that's the first thing I would tell someone. And the second would just be to know that you are good enough, even if you don't want to do, you know, the, the hair treatments or go vegetarian, like I did, um, you're good enough just the way you are. Cause this is not, this is not your fault. You are designed the way that you are and you're, you're perfect that way. (laughs) It's so sweet. You cry. <laughs> I'm sure somebody, somebody who's listening had to hear that. So thank you. I so. Is I got my period when I was 10 as well. Is that considered early? Is that a, is that normal? I think it's early. Um, yeah. Compared to my like friends that I've talked about it with, I think it is pretty early. Okay. Well, me too. <laughs> I'm glad that somebody else has. <laughs> I remember being so horrified because I didn't want to be the first one. And mm-hmm. it did feel like I was so young. And I hid it. I hid it until the seventh or eighth grade when yeah. everybody else started talking started about getting it. it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh yeah, I ha- I've had it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
so yeah very humiliated by it I was on I was in Ireland with my family on vacation when it happened I wasn't even like in my comfort the comforts of my home like (laughs) and I was like with my extended family and I had to go like hey mom happening (laughs) and then you went and bought Irish pads Uh, yep (laughs) all right and guess who owned the grocery store of the little town we were in one of my mom's cousins did, that just the best <laughs> did your did your mom tell everybody <laughs> hopefully he thought that I was like buying them for my mom or something I don't know just a little girl by herself buying some pads like Aww. so sweet <laughs> I love the idea of I I mean I feel like I wouldn't if I were to have a daughter I wouldn't be able to respect her privacy and I'd be like oh my gosh you had her period I feel like I'd tell everybody <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know my friend's grandma, my best friend, um, I don't know if she's listening, but um, her grandma would give her like a hundred bucks and her her like sisters, like give them a hundred bucks. It's like, congrats, you're a woman. And I'm like, where was my hundred bucks? Oh yeah. My, I did not happen like that for me. Definitely. <laughs> uh, well, this is really interesting. I'm trying to think if I have any other uh, questions or insight. PCOS. Tell me again what that stands for. It stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. Oh, the so, cysts. Do the cysts that self cause any pain? They can for some people. And there's also the possibility that they could burst. There's the possibility that that could happen. Um, and at that point you would probably need to go have surgery. Um, I know that coming to mind is Lena Dunham. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I think has had some of those situations and spoken out about them. So if it happens, just get to a doctor and you're not the first person that this has happened to, you're going to be okay. <laughs> is it cysts on both ovaries? Is it some, is it consistent cysts? What I'm, I'm this is such a dumb, maybe it's a dumb question. I don't know. No, not at all. I I'm totally down to talk about all the the dirty details. Yeah, um, give it to so, me. <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I mean, obviously I don't know what my cysts look like in there, but um, I think they're just kind of collections of little cysts on both ovaries. <clears throat> um, for some people that can be more, some people that can be less, um, but they kind of cause, because they're all over the ovaries, they kind of cause them to like enlarge a bit. Um, which can sometimes cause pain. And and for some girls who um, still have their period during their PCOS adventure, because <laughs> there are some girls who will have like a, a consistent um, period, it can be extremely painful for that reason. I am lucky enough to be on the opposite end of the spectrum where I have it very rarely, um, but it can go both ways. Got it. So it sort of just varies on how it manifests in people. Yeah, it can, it can be different for different people. Definitely. Do you know how common this is? You say it's more common than people think. Yeah. Um, I believe it's one in 10 people. Oh, that's one in 10 people with ovaries. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's way more common than I would have imagined. And that's pretty 
if it's like 10% of all ovarian humans, <laughs> it's interesting that there's not like education on it. Right. It's very new in terms of like speaking out about it. I think it's become a more like recent thing, but I mean, it's so common and like someone who might be having these symptoms, but hasn't, you know, looked into it with their doctor. I recommend that you do that (laughs) just so you can be aware of it. Your symptoms might not change or improve, but you need to be aware that this is happening um, in case it does go the extreme route of like a cyst bursting or something more extreme like that. Um, But yeah, you might not, you might not realize that you have it and you never know. I feel like, you know, medicine is definitely heading in a, a better direction, but I feel, I feel for the people that have gone to their doctor with symptoms like this and then been having it been writ- written off. Yes. I'm sure that that has happened to people in the past, hopefully not recently, but I'm, yeah, before it was, there was a lot of information, um, you know, someone might have just chalked it up to just hormonal imbalances or something like that. Mm -hmm. Just historically knowing that physicians tend to take a woman's pain less seriously Mm. Even even worse so if they're a person of color and imagine people coming in with, you know, they're in this terrible pain or they're having all this and then just being told, well, you're fine. It's just your period. Your period's weird. Yeah. Sometimes people have weird periods, you know? Yeah, totally. We're just being dramatic, right? Let's- <laughs> <laughs> it's so dramatic. So dramatic. <laughs> that actually happened to not that specifically, but my best friend, she was having really intense breast pain and her, this happened like last month, her physician was like, mm, no, you're not. What? <laughs> like, uh, cause she had a lump and the lump was painful. And he uh-huh. was like, the lump isn't painful. Oh, what? <laughs> you know, like he straight up was saying that doesn't make sense. Your lump shouldn't be, you know, And when they removed the lump, they found out she also had a, uh, what do you call it? A clogged milk duct on her nipple. Mm -hmm. And that was the cause of the pain. And that is like known to be super painful. Yeah. But for some reason he like just couldn't fathom. I don't know. Like just wrote off her pain. Just said, no, like it's not painful. It's in your head. Yeah. Instead of looking into what might be painful, it's like, nah. Yeah. (laughs) And she has, she's somebody who's had a lot of medical issues in the past and is so used to being told that it's in her head or that it's not that serious or that it's, you know, I had my appendix out when I was in college and uh, I went to, you know, I was in a lot of pain. I went to my school physician and he said, uh, it's probably not like the flu. And then I went to the ER and the ER nurse said, you shouldn't wait. You shouldn't stay here. It's you just had food poisoning. And then four or five hours later, when I finally am admitted, they do an ultrasound and my appendix is like 
so inflamed that it's going to burst any second. Oh God. You know, and it's, I don't know if, you know, they probably couldn't have expedited me because it was busy anyway, but it's like, yes, I know. I'm telling you, this is what's happening to my body. I know. I know my body and who are you to tell me that what I'm feeling is not real? (laughs) Anyway, long rant. Liana, what you're feeling is real. Thank you. So are you. I mean, so is what you're feeling. (laughs) I'm glad I'm real. Thank you. Uh, Is there anything else? Did you want to, uh, you said you had the, the anxiety written piece. Sure. Do you want to read that now or do you want to record yourself doing it and send it to me? And we can, because I actually think it would probably would work well with this episode. Yeah. What, what do you, what would you prefer Do you, would it be better if I just did it now since sure. we're on already? Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. <clears throat> so I did this presentation for one of my uh, classes in college and I, I feel like I've never really forgotten what it felt like to kind of write my experience out. And, um, I I think about it a lot. (laughs) Okay. Have you ever had a time where you realized your life would be changed forever? I have. It was momentary, developing this new phobia of life. In the blink of an eye, my whole world changed. It's not uncommon for people to say, women are crazy. Some even believe it. Here's my story of the time I was a crazy woman. This is the story of my first panic attack. I was 17. I had been a high school graduate for barely a week. I was on a trip to Croatia with my family. We were on one of those big buses that went between two large cities called Zadar and Split. I got on and got settled for the three hour ride. Sitting peacefully, watching out the windows as trees and cars fly by, taking in all the beauty, the mountains, the ocean, thinking of all that would be waiting for me when I returned home, when suddenly my hands, I could no longer feel the tips of my fingers. That's strange. Then my neck, I felt a tingling numbness spread like wildfire to my head, to my face, to my eyes. I looked at my hands. I saw that they were moving, but I couldn't feel them. They couldn't be my hands, could they? all the way up my arms and chest and numb, faster and faster. Down my legs to my toes, I felt nothing. Paralyzed, unable to breathe, and all I wanted to do was get up and run away. When I tried to tell my mom in the seat beside me what was happening, I couldn't get a single word out. How do you explain I'm dying to your mother? So my mind became consumed with an echoing chant of, I have to get off, get off, get off, get off. And with every ounce of energy I had, I ran. I told the Croatian bus driver, stop. I guess hysteria is something that transcends language barrier. So he let me off on the side of the road. I sat there in a lifeless ball in that sad prickly patch of grass that's ruined summer picnics for me to this day. Although I was filled with thoughts, mostly about trying to stay alive, I felt empty. For two months, 
I lived on water, chicken soup, and a few bites of bread. I desperately worked to swallow, sometimes an hour to get down one bite. Because every time I attempted to eat, my body returned to that same panic mode that I felt. It came back to me like it was the first time. Every moving vehicle, any enclosed space was just an anxious death trap to me. And every second I had to tell myself that everything was all right. Imagine talking yourself through every car ride you've ever been on, every second. Life is too exhausting to continue this way. Today, I've learned to deal with and in control my anxiety. Therapists, breathing exercises, yoga, self-coaching, with a touch of medication has been my savior. I can now face anxiety episodes head on. Since my terrible experience with anxiety, my ideas about crazy have been shattered. Mental illness is so real. And my experience, just a speck compared to that of other crazy women. Thank you so much to Liana LeBerg for chatting with me today. If you want to follow up on Liana, you should follow her on Instagram. Her handle is at unsolicited style advice. That is at unsolicited style advice. Dirty Girl is produced by me, Heather Ann Gottlieb, along with Cameron Taggy, Tristan Bankston, and Alex Salem. We are distributed by the Hoo Ha Ha Podcast Network. Our logo was designed by Kevin Laughlin.